we are off and rolling again on another Feminine for a podcast. And you know what? It's good to hear you breathing, Femi. <laughs> I'd rather be in the same room with you, bud. <laughs> I would rather be in the same room as you as well, but I might be breathing a little too hard after all the nonsense we've been seeing from Major League Baseball <laughs> oh, over the last my. 24 hours. Mike, I have some thoughts on Major League Baseball. You were excited today. You said we had a lot to talk about, and I, and I thought the same thing. Uh, first and foremost, how are you, my friend? How 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 was life treating you? How is uh, the pandemic world of sports treating you? Uh, overall, your health, everything. How's how's it going? I'm doing good. You know, good. it's, a, it's a, it was a solid weekend. We had the Charles Schwab Challenge. We can get to that uh, a little later on. But uh, live was, golf, live yeah. golf was a lot of fun to watch. A lot of the big names outside of Tiger Woods uh, mm-hmm. were playing, so that was fun to kind of watch something that we didn't know the results to. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, it, it, life has been good. You know, can't complain too much. It's middle of June. The weather is nice today. Uh, it's we got Father's Day coming up on Sunday. So it's a, it's a good times given the circumstances that, uh, that we have. But how about yourself? Doing, doing good. It looks like it's finally going to start to move actually to warming up uh, towards the end of the week. I think we've been yeah. kind of in, in this little purgatory of weather. You know, you can't make up its mind. Do you want to rain? Do you want to be cold? Do you want to be a little warm? Do you want to have some sunshine? And <laughs> so now it seems like we're, we're, we're moving in that direction. And I, I, I know you're a fan of the nicer weather. So that'll, that'll be nice. Uh, I look forward to that. Yes. I mean, summer's got to be like, what, next week or so? It's usually June 20-something, whenever. Solstice the, is on the 20th. What the day 20th, is that? Wow. That's on Saturday. That's yeah, the Saturday. longest wow. day of the year. Then it's all downhill. Sun yeah. Even white, forget it. <laughs> and, and then darkness will just cast a shadow upon all of us. <laughs> As if it hasn't already. <laughs> that is the most 2020 line that is. But uh, I don't, Mike, I'm not yeah. sure how much you've been keeping up, but uh, Major League Baseball, oh, the latest there, and yeah. greatest with those guys over there. I mean, my goodness. You know, this afternoon we see Rob Manfred going back on what he told Carl Ravitch mm-hmm. on the MLB draft broadcast just a few days ago or last week, however many days it was when the draft was going on. And now today he is saying he is not confident that there will be a 2020 baseball season. And I could go off for like a solid three or four minutes. So I want to give you the <laughs> opportunity to weigh in first. Mike, what are your thoughts when you hear that? Well, he unequivocally said that there would be baseball, which I think got a lot of people excited. Uh, and it was, I thought it was neat to watch the draft. I felt bad for so many players that, weren't drafted and kind of, I mean, the whole sport of baseball from the amateur side is very messed up. I mean, when it comes down to college recruiting or MLB scouting, I mean, I mean, one of the guys that the Mariners took was off the Cape Cod league. I mean, some of the stats that the, the second baseman out of uh, Oklahoma state. I yeah. Deloach. Um, yeah. Uh, no, no, Deloach was, he's an outfielder, right? Oh yeah. About the, oh yeah. yeah. Deloach a, was the outfielder. Yeah. He, he was good in the yeah. Cape Cod, but, but yeah, but just, right. The, it was like, I think, the fourth rounder. I can't remember what is it. He's kind of a, a smaller, stocky guy, a second baseman. Um, but, you know, they were making big – I'm like, oh, this is the first time I've ever heard Cape Cod numbers in a draft. Anyways, <laughs> I, I was excited to watch that and then kind of like, okay, maybe they can actually get this done. But if you look at it, owners want to play fewer games. Players want to play more games. I think a lot of owners just don't want to have a season because ultimately they're they're all going to be losing money. And baseball, you know, needs to understand that some of these guys are going to make nothing. So if, you, if you're choosing to go that way, essentially it's a strike, right, in a non-CBA year, then you're going to go that direction. You want to have baseball, and, and it's going to hit you hard in the, in the I was going to say pocketbook, but in the wallet. 
Um, so that's kind of where they are. I, but I think it's ridiculous because, you know, you're also having some problems with the NBA. I'm singing this on the way in, Femi. And then you have the Women's Soccer League, MLS, golf, tennis, NASCAR, a lot of those sports that, as you know, on the tree, we don't cover as heavily, say, like, if you're going to stack a show, right? You yeah. kind of go down, to, depending on a major or stuff like that. So all those sports are going to really play themselves right into the public eye while the millionaires all get mad at each other and don't do anything during a time where there's a lot of eyeballs that want to watch sports. So what's the further effect beyond just people not agreeing about money or, you know, and it is an interesting time because there's safety and everything that comes with it, but they're arguing about money. And when you, when you're talking to people that are have unemployment running out and their businesses are going belly up is a strange time. They're not going to win any fans over. You got to get something done, get people maybe to hang on to and forget about for a few hours each day. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's to me. What do you think? It it is just a flat out greed from these major league baseball owners, all 30 of them. And it's really sad to see because you mentioned all the things that have been going on over the last three and a half months or just three months and change. And for them to really be penny pinching the way Mm -hmm. they are, the fact that they want to play their own sport would rather play fewer games than they possibly could play. It's that should say it all right there. That should say it all. And you're seeing now they said, Oh, well, we'd like to play 50 games versus they had a chance even a month ago or so. If they were able to come to an agreement where they could have maybe played 80 some odd games, 90 games or so. Now you're looking at maximum, probably mid sixties, maybe 70. If something happens, if you're lucky, you're probably looking at 50 to 55 games. Uh, which will eventually, I do eventually think they will play just because it will just make too much sense to play. But the tactics that we're <laughs> seeing, are, it's just so just insanely awful from these owners. And a lot of it is they're not held accountable and they haven't been held right. accountable. And it's across sports, not just Major League Baseball, you know, in mm-hmm. every single negotiation when CBAs expire, we see the public and the fans, we need to do a better job of it taking the side of these billionaire owners and they know that so they play to that and they leak out this silly information do these tactics because they know that they can wait the players out longer because they have billion dollars the players have millions of dollars so they can just wait them out they can afford to wait longer than the players can and i think the public it appears this time is actually kind of being hip to what they're doing i don't know if it's maybe the pandemic that people are paying more attention now and they're actually yeah. reading the articles instead of just clicking on links or whatever they're actually reading the articles but i think the public now is saying hey what are these owners doing and they're realizing that they would rather play less games than they can actually possibly play and that's just insane to me the fact that just a few days ago manfred saying that 100 percent unequivocally we will be able to play a major league baseball season and now he's saying he's not confident and a lot of it is being seen as a tactic. I know Jim Bowden, uh, I believe he's with the USA Today, or CBS Sports, rather. He, mm-hmm. And I retweeted his tweet, and he said, MLB couldn't implement a 48-52 to 52 game schedule at this time in the calendar without losing a grievance to the players since the schedule right. between 64 to 72 games can easily fit in between now and September 27th, which is the desired end of the regular season. Therefore, another delay tactic until the calendar is more friendly to their argument. Like that in itself just shows you what in the world are you doing? Do you actually not care about your sport and do you just care about profits? Because that I is, don't think they do. That's all that I they care they about. 
All they care, yeah. I mean, you see it across the board. You see teams slash payroll because of profits. You see teams not compete and actually try to win the game, which is the entire point of sports because of profits. This is something that has been playing all throughout Major League Baseball because it is an uncapped sport. We see it more prevalent there. I mean, we see it in the NBA a little bit and even in the NFL to an extent, but not as much because those actually have salary caps, NFL being hard, the NBA is being a soft cap. But MLB does not have a cap, and you see these teams literally slashing payroll, selling off assets like they're just bankrupt to just try to maintain a profit instead of actually trying to put a product on the field that would be the best as possible, which benefits the fans. They don't care mm-hmm. about the fans. And I think fans really need to understand that, that, hey, these guys do not care about you. They care about right. money first and money second and money third. That is it. And I think now, hopefully, it's really being shown to light during these ugly negotiations. I mean, this is probably as ugly as CBA negotiation that I've seen in quite some time. Uh, I don't remember the NFL one being this bad in 2011. The NBA they had a shortened season uh, in 2012 during their lockout, but it wasn't this ugly. This looks really bad for Major League Baseball. And as of right now, Rob Manfred is having to be the guy who's taken the the arrows because he is the meat shield to the owners. The owners are his bosses. But to me, I'm not looking at Manfred. Manfred he is has his own issues, but to me, it is all on these Major League Baseball owners. They have the power to bring baseball back, but they refuse to because they do not want to pay these guys their prorated salaries and would rather have them take further pay cuts. And that is just highly disappointing. Who, who's the Jerry Jones of baseball owners though? Who's, who's that guy that owns baseball that could talk sense into the other owners? I don't, yeah, that, that, that person doesn't they exist. Don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was trying you to know, think, I was like, wow. Like, I mean, rest in peace. Steinbrenner has passed away. Right. Uh, and I'm like, wow, that person does not exist. <laughs> No. I mean, as you sit here and think about it, you know, Derek Jeter now with the Marlins, I mean, but he's kind of doing things silently and he's not going to come out because he's not that far removed from being a player. Yep. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm spoken to Derek Jeter, but I imagine that would be difficult for him. But now you're, you're an owner. And so maybe a guy like that should speak up now. And see it from the player's perspective. And, and, I mean, it's pretty fresh for him as far as from both sides. But Because I thought in the beginning of the negotiations, you had your normal volleying of figures and possibilities, right? I'm like, okay, this is, this is what it is. I mean, the, they're doing due, due diligence trying to get to a point. And I always thought it would be 72. I always thought that would be like – because if you look at the number, like how it kind of dwindled down from what each side wanted, like 72 was a good point. No, they can't even get 48 or 50 in. And then, how, and then, <laughs> well, they, they can, they feel? don't want to. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But I mean, if they wait and wait and wait, and then you're going to be playing the World Series on Thanksgiving, <laughs> I mean, but you're not going to have a true representation of the season if you play 48 or 50 games. Oh, no. I mean, the, the Nationals were terrible last year at the start and they won the World Series. So I mean, it, it is kind of like, when does training camp start? <laughs> you yeah, know, and yeah. I love baseball, which is weird for me to say. But it's just like if you guys can't figure out ultimately like a plan to at least get on the field and everybody in the long run profit for I can't remember what Passons said. It really isn't that much money 
for the owners. It's not in the long run. It's like maybe one point one million that they could ultimately lose. I and mean, it's just maybe I'm that's even more than what I'm thinking. And, and, it's and what, not that much money collected. That's crazy because their recent proposal that they sent out, I believe it was on Friday, might have been Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday when they sent the proposal with the deadline that they wanted to hear from the players association by today. But it was I want to say eighty percent prorated salaries. I mean, right. why not just pay the 100% you agreed upon in March? That is mm-hmm. all this is over. If you pay that, there will be a season. But now it's become, well, we don't want the players to tell us what to do, and we, we, we didn't want to agree to that. Like, nobody forced you to agree to that before you realize that fans weren't going to be there later on in the season. They didn't need to agree to something so fast. But you agreed to it, so pay it. I mean, we right. just saw the WNBA release their return-to-play plan. They're returning in, in July. And, and we'll, we'll be playing at the IMG Academy, <laughs> and they're paying their players 100% of their salaries, not prorated, 100% of their full salaries, and they almost cut half the season. They're only right. playing 22 games instead 22. of 36. Mm-hmm. So if the WNBA, who has a less lucrative TV deal, their TV deal, I believe, is about $20 million from ESPN, it's pennies compared to what Major League Baseball gets. They're able to play their players 100% of their salaries, but Major League Baseball on this hand is saying, well, we have to even cut you further than the prorated salary. <laughs> like, I, I, it's, it doesn't make sense. Meanwhile, no. here you are probably about to agree to a billion-dollar television deal with Turner, Turner Sports to continue the, the playoff uh, TV package. Like, it's, it's insane to me how greedy these baseball owners are. Like, it, I cannot believe it. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Let, let, let's say for, I mean, let's just simplify this, right? Let's say you owned a pizza company, okay? And you're doing really well. Why? Because your delivery drivers are awesome. They make sure the pizza gets there and people are loving it. It's, it, it, you know, you're getting rewarded. Everybody's making money, but the pizza drivers assemble and say, hey, Femi, you're opening up all these stores. We never see you because you're off skiing or on your yacht. I know you're making lots of money (laughs) and you have all these deals and you're going to be opening up, you know, across the country, but we're still getting paid the same. Or actually we just want a little bit more, a little bit more of a stake. Can you just maybe renegotiate with us? The common sense to someone would, I would think, which I don't understand about big companies or baseballs. Why, why do you want such an adversarial role with the people that, make you a winner or that give you your product like yeah you own a baseball team but you don't own diddly poo without the players exactly the best in the world that are playing baseball so why can't you figure that out i i I don't understand and i again i think it's greed it's greed (laughs) and 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 isn't it interesting them i don't want to go down the wrong road with this isn't interesting how the baseball constituency of ownership very much mirrors the current government we have. Sound, <laughs> sounds about right. And, and different stuff that is going on. It sounds about uh, right. That, that, that the, is a dis- the disconnect. That the is disconnect. a discussion for, I don't even know if it's a separate <laughs> podcast. That might just be an in-person discussion. Right. But it honestly sounds about right. I mean, I'm looking you know at, what I mean? I'm, I'm looking at the Forbes list of baseball teams and the valuations only one team is worth less than $1 billion. That's like, ridiculous. Come on, guys. Yeah. Who? Which team? That is the Miami Marlins. They are worth $980 million. So they're close to a $1 billion. Yeah, yeah. But, but, like, but they'll be over that soon. They'll be over that the soon. The New, York Yankees, draft. Yeah. the New York Yankees are worth $5 billion, according to Forbes. 
Right. If you can't handle paying 100% prorated salaries, sell off your team to someone else. Mm-hmm. If you can't, if you can't afford time... to put a decent product with decent players on the field, sell your team to somebody who can. It's simple right. as that, but they don't do that. Why? Because they make money hand over fist and probably have way too much cash than they actually know what to do with it. Wow. <laughs> like it's... I wonder if Hank Steinbrenner could have talked some sense. I mean, he recently died. You know, he kind of... I mean, he, he was disconnected from the team a little bit later in Florida about how much of that was health related, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it's unreal. And, and, and the players, it's hard to make the players sympathetic figures because the players, I'm sure if there's no season would likely be fine financially, a lot more fine than a lot of people are during this pandemic, but they, they have every right, in my opinion, to take the stance that they are taking right now. I don't know if you saw the statement from the uh, executive director of the players association, Tony Clark, but I'll read it to you. It says, The players are disgusted that after Rob Manfred unequivocally told players and fans Mm. that there would 100 percent be a 2020 season, he has decided to go back on his word and is now threatening to cancel the entire season. Any implication that the Players Association has somehow delayed progress on health and safety protocols is completely false, as Rob has recently acknowledged the parties are very, very close. This latest threat is just one more indication that Major League Baseball has been negotiating in bad faith since the beginning. This has always been about extracting additional pay cuts from players, and this is just another day and another bad faith tactic in their ongoing campaign. I mean, that is it's simple as that. He fit that all in one tweet. It was a, it was a message that they, they screenshot. <laughs> no, it was been impressive. Saying, I think it's about five hundred like, characters. Wow. <laughs> I know. How do you get that? That's amazing. But but that, that's it's simple as that. As far as I'm concerned with this, it's these owners are just flat out greedy and they need to be called out. They need to be held accountable because for too many years, they've just played on the emotions of the public, the fans to try to be swindlers. And right now we're, we can't allow it anymore. We simply cannot allow it. Like they need to be held accountable. Yes, totally. And you know, I, there's, there's one tweet though, that, um, I, I really like, um, <laughs> that I saw today. That kind of just sums up everything. Okay, ready? I'm going to read it to you. Fans need to quit siding with these billionaire owners who charge them $12 <laughs> for a 12-ounce domestic draft. That's from Femi Abebefe. <laughs> Is it not true? <laughs> no. I read that, and I just was like, wow. I mean, kind of hit the it, nail on the head. How much it costs to go to a game, and these, and these owners are out here crying poor. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to donate to whatever fund you want. Because you're charging me $12 for a beer. You're charging 6 bucks for a hot dog. You're charging people $50 minimum probably to park. Like, it's, oh, yeah. like the whole experience is insane. And then you wonder why your attendance is down. But what do they do? They make up for it in the TV money. And they're mm-hmm. able to still make billions of dollars. Hand over fist. Merchandise. All this stuff. Like, it's they make so much money that there is no way that even if they even if they're what they're saying is true and they will take a massive hit for one season they will be able to make that up minimum in five years like like yeah like at most like you easily make that money up um i'm blown away by what they do charge and and the and the money that is charged at the snack bars or whatever you want to call them it's insane it's like six (laughs) dollars for a water It's more it's, than gasoline. You can criminal. fill your tank for four waters. You can fill your tank. <laughs> it's criminal. <laughs> it, pretty much. But it's a be- the thing, the, the sad thing is it's it's a beautiful game. 
it's it's fun to watch. It's so what I think people could use right now. Um, you know, to have that kind of just noise in the background, something to take your focus. You know, and I know we work in this in this building. This a lot of stuff is going on, a lot of uneasiness by by people. What about America's pastime? Let's have it back for july the summer at least but it doesn't i mean they need at least two weeks you're looking at today's the 15th you'd be looking at july, uh, july 1st start is impossible yeah i don't right? see how that's possible at all i mean not even close i mean because they're not even close to agreeing to anything so it, i i think the whole thing in one word sad it's just sad yeah but they can't can't figure it out and i love how fired up you are and you had some great points it, it definitely um it is true. A lot of it, you know, yeah. all, all, all of it, not, not that there's a little bit, no, it's, you know, all honestly, of what you have to say, it's just like, you know, the more I think about it, talk about it, the more it bums me out actually. So it, yeah, it truly is just, it's, it's sad and like not to pile on it, but I thought Lindsay Adler of the athletics, she writes for the, the a beat reporter for the Yankees had a really good tweet and something that really hasn't been talked about enough. I think in the absence of, of baseball this summer, but she says, forget about the players or even the coaches, the support staff, front office members, league office employees, communications, marketing, freelance TV producers, all these people who are going to go an entire summer who mm-hmm. rely on it to put these games on, to make sure the fan experience is what it is, to make sure that these things go on without a hitch. They're all going to go without having a single paycheck or or at least some of them are being paid to certain extent and they're doing whatever they can to help float them for a little bit, but it's that's a lot of time that you're going without making your normal salary or your normal hourly wage. And it's, it's really, un- it's unfortunate, especially for the freelance people. I mean, gosh, those are people who are relying on sports to be happening and for your sport right. to be able to actually go on, but you're just arguing over this stuff because of greed. Like it, it's, yeah. it's really disheartening. And I think these MLB owners have really just, they're so out of touch sitting on their ivory towers that, I mean, good God, like be better is my final take on this is be better yeah you get the big picture that'd be nice you know but i wonder i wonder if the players look at it like hey i'm not going to get any money do they eventually say okay we got to play because not just for the kershaws and the kyle seegers and the mike trouts but the guys further down the roster that you know don't have any money well basically well they said i mean in, in yesterday's statement that they put out after they over the weekend rejected the proposal from friday they said mm. hey we're we rejected this we're cutting off all discussions rob manford tell us when and where to play when we should report because right manford yep. was, put it manford, on them yeah. yeah manford was telling paul ravage that. that hey we'll unequivocally have a season and he has the power to have a season he, he has does. the power to implement the season above the players and the owners so the players said we're done talking to the owners commissioner Tell us when we're supposed to play and when we'll show up. Do your job. And the commissioner today says, I'm not confident. Mm. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's totally the ball is in the court of the owners, and the owners don't want to play because they want to protect their money. And it, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, we can move on to another topic because I could honestly go on for this for about an hour. One, one, <laughs> one last question, though, that annoys me about pro sports. And you talking about Manfred and, and how basically inept he is right now. It, 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 he is on part of the owners and the same in the NFL with Goodell, you know, I mean, he's, he's the voice box for the owners a lot. It's, 
it's a weird relationship. Like you need for a sport to be successful, someone that is basically Switzerland, don't you? Yeah, I mean, a, a, a commissioner ultimately, but they get paid tons of money to be commissioners, so they're going to side with the owners who give them the salary. Exactly, they're siding with their bosses. You know, it's right. like, like the, the commissioner is already compromised going in because the commissioner, like everybody or most people in this world, have a boss, and right. they're going to do and what their the boss owners. says. That and that's what's wrong with it. Yeah, ultimately, it really is disappointing, and you know, you wish that. I know, I know Manfred has only been on the job for, I mean, gosh, it hasn't even been 10 years. It's only been about, what, how many years that Manfred's been commissioned? Probably about seven or eight. I seven think. or eight, yeah. But, yeah, it's like, so he does, he might not have the clout that he has to, as the, maybe a past commissioner to be able to stand up to the owners. But, I mean, if there's any time for him to show that he's got some umph to him, now is the time because his sport as we know it, I mean, it could be 94 all over again, like most people are suggesting, you know. it's Right. But it, think think about this, though. Um. Who was the last commissioner of baseball? Yeah, <laughs> another unpopular guy. <laughs> right, but but right, Bud Selig. Yeah, Bud Selig. What was what was Bud Selig before he became a commissioner? He was an owner. He was the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you already were swimming upstream if you're in the players' union, you know. So it looks yeah. looks like Manfred, uh, twenty fifteen. So it's been five, yeah, so about five, five, years. five years. Yeah, that's when Sealy retired. So, yeah. wow, that yeah. Is, it's it's something. <laughs> it is something. Yeah, he could gain some respect with the players and maybe the world if he could just go ahead and step up. But I, I yeah, wow. Yeah. His his bosses they uh, they want to secure their profits and make sure that they don't lose anything during a pandemic. So uh, this is the route they've chosen to take. Yeah. But will we have NBA? That's the question. That is the. I do believe we will. Um, in the NBA, the discussion over the weekend, it, it, it's not about money. So I at least give it more merit. You know, right. it's like they figured that out. They figured out they want to go to Orlando and all this stuff. And and it's a discussion that is, you know, a lot of guys are afraid that playing basketball will take away from the platform that a lot of the protests that we've seen. Um, throughout the country over the last about three, three and a half weeks now, I believe it is almost. Um, it's that, and there's also safety protocols that they're trying to figure out and all that stuff. So I ultimately think that we will, because if we don't have a season, the owners can uh, exercise the force majeure clause, which allows them to rip up the CBA. Can, and then, can you say that again? <laughs> it's you know what the pandemic is. It's expanded my vocabulary. <laughs> the you got force the force majeure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a French origin would be my guess. <laughs> but that uh, reminds <laughs> I gotta interrupt you. Did you ever see that show Thirty Rock? <laughs> I've I never watched Thirty Rock. No. So I, I wasn't a frequent watcher, but I watched it. <laughs> And there was that girl that used to be on Allie McBeal. She kind of was the blonde, curly hair actress. And she was like kind of a BC list actress with movies. And so she was in a movie called The The Rural Juror. <laughs> and, <laughs> and no one could say the movie. So you were the rural juror. So that's, that's what that just reminded me of. The rural juror. <laughs> Force majeure. <laughs> rural juror. <laughs> But the, what, okay, moving forward. Sorry. What the force majeure clause <laughs> happens? I'm not sure. It might even be in everyone's contracts in the real life, but uh, it essentially allows that, given a crazy act of God or some sort of craziness that, as 
given mm. unforeseen circumstances, like maybe a global pandemic, that right. that a the CBA can be ripped up and they would immediately have to negotiate a new CBA before the 2020-21 season, which, I mean, that will be a whole nother issue. And that might end up turning into what baseball is if that happens, which is why I think that ultimately the players will decide to play because I don't think they want to negotiate with the owners uh, during a global pandemic because we've seen how successful baseball has been doing that. Uh, and I think the owners would definitely try to recoup a lot of the money that they lost during this uh, past season. So it, I think we'll be seeing basketball when we're expected to see it that late July. I think July 30th is what they're saying now mm-hmm. uh, at the wide world of sports out there in Disney. So uh, I'm, I'm a much, much more optimistic about the NBA returning to play than I am baseball. But then again, baseball, this could just be their, their last ditch effort to the, before they came. So who knows? Yeah. But I think we'll see NBA though. Yeah. I, I would enjoy that. I think it's kind of how they're getting right into the playoffs pretty quick. Um, we'll keep, make it very interesting very very quick you know what i mean people yeah. are gonna make okay what's going on and then by the time they kind of start whittling down the teams what, what, what there's like eight teams not going though yeah and, it'll, be, it'll be 22 teams that will be yeah there. and so i i feel for those eight teams but i heard those those guys might get together and scrimmage yeah and play in practice which they, is interesting. they're talking about having kind of like an ota type of setting because i mm-hmm. mean if you think about it i mean the, the 2021 season uh, it's not going to start until December 1st at the earliest. So, I mean, that's right. about that's like 10 months or so of not playing basketball or not being around your team in a competitive environment. So those teams are really afraid of falling behind for the upcoming season. So I think they're trying to put together some sort of maybe scrimmage or OTA type of thing to where they can still do basketball activities while the other 22 uh, try to crown a champion. Because the Atlanta Hawks are in there. They got they got a young team, right? They're not yeah, going. Very young, they're, yep. They're, they're one of the, that's a team that – four or five years from now could be really good if they play their cards right. Um, but yeah, to be off that long with no basketball, that would not be a good thing. Yeah. So that's not a, not an ideal scenario I would imagine. Um, but it's, it's one that they might have to face during these COVID times. And mm-hmm. I mean, the NFL now is trying to juggle what they're going on. I mean, I don't know if you saw today, Ezekiel Elliott, apparently. I was going to ask you about positive that. For yeah. COVID-19. I mean, that's something that uh, was not expected. Uh, was also not shocking after mm-hmm. the uh, the recent things with him and Dak kind of been hanging out, not really adhering to the best social distancing guidelines. Um, but I, I don't I don't want to shame him for catching COVID nineteen. Obviously, anybody could catch it since we're all I mean people are walking around probably outside right now who are asymptomatic. We just don't know. Right. But uh, it's one of the challenges though that is that the NFL is facing is just it's a lot of people that they have and. And these rosters, they're not cut down until you go through an entire training camp of preseason. So you're talking about each team getting 90 players together on top of coaching staffs, training staffs, uh, front office executives, scouts, all this stuff. It's, it's a lot of people that are going to be at these training camps later this summer that, I mean, it's bound to happen across the league at all 32 teams. And it, it, the, fact oh, yeah. the fact that we're already seeing it happen now, I mean, Von Miller – Tested positive. I think that was last month or a couple months ago. Yeah, right. Uh, and now it's you, Elliot. Yeah. And this is this is before players have even gathered. This has all been virtual training. So I mean, that's right. something I think the NFL really has to consider with these training camps and how they try to go about social distancing, which, in my opinion, seems impossible to do with a football team, especially when there's 90 players. Yeah, and 
I, I don't know uh, how much of Pete Carroll's press conference you listened to last week, but that was fascinating. One yeah, of the it was longer yeah. ones. I mean, it just it was it was great to hear him talk about so much of what's going on in our world right now, but also, you know, I, I like how he's attacking this new way of having to do things as kind of a competition to do it as best they can. Yeah. I mean, he's talking um, about having outdoor meetings. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, we'll pretty much do most of our stuff outside because, and he said, he'll point to the research of a lot of the rallies and protests and, and like how the virus spreads among outdoor activities as opposed to indoor, you know, which might be a problem sometimes based on, the weather in Seattle. I mean, yeah. I don't know what an outdoor meeting in December is going to look like before you play <laughs> before a home game. But as far as training camp goes, and I was trying to think about, because, you know, we've spent a lot of time at the VMAX, so we know what it looks like pretty mm-hmm. well. And I was just, and then I was walking with Wendy and the dogs. The dog yet, by the way? Uh, no, I have not. Gone okay. Just, just making sure <laughs> I didn't miss anything. <laughs> quick, quick, quick something. update. Yeah, get, no. Actually, I get Liz a dog. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um we were by an elementary school and i saw those you know those portable trailers yep like where they when the school's too small yeah and they bring those in and they actually have like full-on grades and some of those trailers oh, yeah, kind of yeah. looking at kind of the length and i think if you look at the length of it in like six feet you might be able to get about 18 guys in there as far as for lockers so I wouldn't be surprised if they use some of that property over there, um, which they don't have a lot because of the lake, but maybe kind of on that, there's, there's a back lot. Um, there's going to be no fans. So then they have that area above the berm, which is, if you think about it, it's flat, right? Where all the fans yep. watch training camp. I won't be surprised if a lot of the non-roster invitees, right? You're not, you're not going to tell Bobby Wagner to go dress up on the <laughs> hill, the right? But those, you know, those guys who are free agents and stuff like that, the, the lower end of the roster guys, rookies, things like that. I mean, space-wise, they're going to have to be really creative on how they're going to do things. But, I mean, if, I, I think if they did it at the old facility, which is even part of the conversation, they, they, I think they had a little bit more room they could have – juggled with up in Kirkland um yeah it just seems but so they have to difficult. do it's going to be yeah the effort and and but to go back to your testing the effort has to be extraordinary yeah like with these guys coming in but then they go home are they going to see their families Ex- like exactly I mean they stay in a team hotel and then you know they call kids super spreaders what if the kids go to you know play one day and I mean innocently enough right oh they go God. and they I mean, th- think for he's not with the team anymore. Think about Quentin Jefferson. He had like four four kids. Like, what if what if they went to the playground one day? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Innocently enough, yeah. that's like a times four potential of of getting ill. You know, um, I, I don't know how they're going to manage that training camp part because it's just uh, it's that you know silent, mysterious illness that just kind of moves itself around it's it's kind of scary and you don't want that you don't want that guy in your locker room then, then what are you gonna it's kind of like us here at the station yep you gotta do all you can to not have somebody because then what what are you gonna do all your news anchor is gonna be out for two weeks you know so i i'm glad i don't have to figure that out <laughs> no and, that, and that's i think that's where i was about to touch on is that i mean like hey what if one guy gets it and like you're in these compact areas or in these and all of a sudden, hey, a position group. Well, we can't practice with the linebackers today because 
we got one linebacker who tested COVID-19, so those guys all have to be quarantined because they've been with that person in meeting rooms and all that stuff after practice. It's 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 so difficult and so many hoops that they have to jump through that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to really have to be testing, testing, testing. And I think if they can – and I think – I want to say I saw something that said they want to test uh, once every three days so that guys are maybe being tested about three times maximum per week. And I'm like, man, you might have to up that, <laughs> to be honest. I know it's like it, – from what I've seen of the testing, it does not look comfortable at all. It looks like they're just putting a swab all the way up into your brain via your nose. And that does not seem like a comfortable thing. I would rather not have that. But mm-hmm. you might have to have guys where at least every other day, if not every day testing, because you have to catch it immediately whenever. Because, I mean, there's things called false tests, false negatives. Right. You know, like, so at least if you're testing every day, you're likely not going to get a false negative back to back days. So, right. but you can get one one day. And then if you don't test for another three days, that's three days where that virus can be spread amongst the team. And all of a sudden, maybe you have 27 guys of your 90 person roster have COVID-19. Like, yeah. and at that point, you're looking at shutting the whole thing down, not just a, a, a position group or, or a couple guys here and there. You're talking about shutting your whole training camp down for two weeks. Yep. So, I mean, and, uh, and as we sit here talking about, it, I'm just kind of running through my mind, like some of the drills we watch in training camp. You know, Solari running the offensive line through drills done on one end, and they alternate guys, right? Yeah. One, one guy plays more of an offensive or defensive role. Then they flip and they flip, and they go back and forth and back and forth. So, And then they blow a whistle, and the next thing you know, here comes the defense, and they're going up against it. Like, you could have one guy. There, there's a contract tracing example for you as a yeah, football honestly. team, right? I mean, you're you're totally right. It's, uh, it's going to need a lot of tests. I saw – I don't know maybe if you saw it today, but there's something – in Israel or um, can't remember what the country was, but they're trying to pass through a COVID test that you blow, that you basically put in your mouth, you blow on it and it gives you instant results. Wow. That would, that would be, you know, that's, that's, who knows that's, that's if you can get your hand on that, right? That's, that's but, a lot more palatable than, uh, yeah. <laughs> than, than the current system of I'm, the swap I mean, going ult- up to your yeah. brain. Because ultimately if you had the temperature check in your ear, and I did a, I did a, a fire climb thing over the weekend with the Snoqualmie fire, and we were just finishing up because our real one got you know canceled. Yeah. But to go in the firehouse, I had my temperature check, and this thing is sticking your ear, and you get it, make sure you're good. I mean, you could combine a temperature check with the 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 blow thing for the instant result, and then yeah, you're not practicing today. Boom. Yeah. You know, I mean that that's probably the best case scenario. But I don't, I, I mean, who knows if that's going to get through or something they'll actually use. But then again, you have that false false positive like you said so yeah it's gonna be it's crazy do you and do, do you think we see a play of training camp I, from a media standpoint gosh will, will media be allowed or do you think that we'll see training camp at all that, that's what i'm asking you oh, well, no no I, I think we might have a training camp but i oh will media I be allowed know. i don't believe so I don't think we see it. Yeah, I, I find it. I, I mean, like, we're not essential to them practicing, so. No, and <laughs> you could come in, and then that's, like, a potential problem. Exactly, because they, they don't know where we've been. They don't know if we're following social distancing guidelines. I mean, I honestly, I don't know if media will be even allowed that much in games. I mean, it'll, it's going to be. I think we talked about it a little bit on a, on a previous podcast, but. Yeah. I mean, it's it's if you're not essential to accomplishing what the goal is, I don't see why you'll be there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, we cover the sport, and media has a lot to do with, or at least especially t- 
TV, broadcast TV has a lot to do with why it's a multi-billion dollar business. But I mean, in terms of covering the game, I mean, I they're not going to invite us when they're already inviting the Fox, CBS, ESPN, <laughs> or NFL right. Network crews to broadcast the games. That's enough right. people that they have to worry about already as is. And they talk about camera freelancers, guys camera. and all that. Yep. Exactly. So why would you bring the TV guys, the beat writers, the bloggers, right. and all these people? Like, just as less people as possible, I think, is what they're hoping for to pull off yeah. what they want to pull off. So, I mean, as of right now, I don't, I'm not expecting that media will be there at all. No, because um, we all the, stand around, huddle together, around exactly. Pete or whoever. I mean, think there, there, there's nothing socially distant about being a sports reporter in a major market. Oh, there's nothing. I mean, at all. you're crowd around blockers, <laughs> all. I mean, that would be dreadful. Yeah, I think, I think, so, I think we'll see a similar setup to like how they did with the draft, maybe, or mm-hmm. and maybe they'll hook something up, and then you just have to just call in to a number after the game, and they'll bring up hopefully six seven eight guys to the podium to then do yeah. media availability for post game and i think that's how we'll have to go about doing our jobs for the 2020 season because yeah, you're not going to cram in uh five dozen media reporters into a press conference you're not going to have media reporters running around the locker room trying to get sound that's just not feasible for what the times that we're in right now so i mean right. I, I do not anticipate yeah <laughs> us being at games for the season unless something mm. drastically changes over the next two and a half months but as we stand right now i would say no that's kind of where i am right now i just didn't see us fitting into the equation but we'll do it differently because they've done everything differently yeah i mean like we gotta compete we gotta compete right right (laughs) (laughs) and you have to be willing to kind of roll with it I, i think that can you know go ahead and translate to people's personal lives I mean, has there ever been a time where you just got to kind of, oh, okay, I guess we do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, nothing is set. Everything is kind of like a constant, constantly in motion. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really kind of a, a weird time. But, I mean, it, it's, it's what we have to, to deal with. And we got to do it. Because the, the other option is just not have sports. And I don't think anybody wants that option. No. <laughs> really, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, do you want to go in the locker room or do you want to have a game? What do you want to do here, you know? I know who doesn't <laughs> want sports. Major League Baseball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if, if you've listened to the first 25 minutes of the podcast, you know, we are not aligned with that thought process. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that this podcast has provided that forum, though, for you to let the owners know how disenchanted with them you are and you know mike as I am I. <laughs> I i don't get fired up over stuff too much yeah. because you know what i'm just like i don't have the energy to do that anymore maybe when i was younger i would get fired up like that i'm, I'm, not, I'm not old okay i'm not i'm speaking like i'm old right now but i'm not old but I just you know you, you just gain more perspective the older you get and it's yep. like okay well maybe i shouldn't freak out over that but just i'm i'm not a huge baseball fan i'd say i'm a casual baseball fan but just right. the one thing i do i despise the most is just people trying to deceive and that is what i see what these major league baseball owners are doing and they've owners across sports have been doing it for years and years like i mentioned at the top of the podcast of just with all the labor negotiations they try to get the fans against the players to get the players to cave so that they can secure their profits and it's happened all the time and they they do it because fans inherently are going to root for the name on the front versus the name on the back that's the whole saying in sports is that Mm -hmm. hey i root for the team and the players they're awesome but the team is why I love the sport because this is where I grew up and this is the team that I root for. But with that said, I think fans can become more sophisticated in understanding the business of sports and why these owners continually go unchecked, able to secure profits, 
quickly and they don't do not care about you. They care less about you than the players do. And that I think needs to be said out loud. And I'm glad, like you said, that this podcast allows us to do that. Yeah. And it seems that so many, especially with baseball, that there's so many business type people that get a little stake of it, that look at it as more of a commodity that they hold rather than a tradition they need to uphold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they may not even be baseball fans. They just like to sit at a cocktail party and say, I own, I own part of this team. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know. I mean, and then, if and, a lot of those guys ever played baseball. And Mike, that, that, Mike, that's a huge <laughs> thing. And it's like, you don't even have you know? to play baseball. But if you, I mean, if you owned a baseball team, wouldn't you want it to be successful? Because you, exactly. it's, it's something that you own and it's something that you've put your money into. It's your investment. You would want it to not only make profit, but also to be successful if you're yep. owning a business. It's not like you're just going to buy a business and say, all right, I don't really care about the product because the product's going to make money regardless. So it can be as terrible as possible, but mm-hmm. we're making money hand over fist. And like you said, I think it's a big thing a lot of people don't understand. A lot of these guys and gals buy these teams because it's the cool thing to do. Right. They can go amongst their rich friends and say, I own Team X. I own Team Y. And I'm a, a part of this select group because in the league, you only have 30 some odd teams. So you're a part of a select group of billionaires amongst the billionaires that we have in the world. But you get to say you own the cool thing on the block. And that right. is why a lot of these people own them. It's not for winning. It's not because they love the game. It's because of the profits. And they get to have the status of owning a major professional sports team. And that's just not right. It's all about status. It, it is. It's unfortunate. It's, I mean, a lot of it, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, that's what, mm-hmm. that's what a lot of it is. You get to say that you have the cool thing. I got the thing that, yeah, you have a lot of money and you could afford this team, but it, there's no team that's up for sale. And I got this team and you don't have one. So I'm mm-hmm. cooler than you. <laughs> it honestly is. That's what it is. It is. It's sad, yeah. but it is. Uh, wow. Yeah. It reminds me of this story. Just speaking of terms of like owning stuff and, Paul Allen, may he rest in peace. I think he did wonderful things for this uh, area and everything. But he he had a very big yacht, right? And so he and I think it was Larry Ellison, the CEO of Oracle. Paul had a, a yacht built very big that would be bigger than Larry's yacht. Well, I think once Ellison found out that Paul's yacht was the biggest, he had his yacht cut in half and added length to it so it could be bigger than Paul's. (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) These these people are insane. Right? (laughs) But that's what it's come to, though. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. But just maybe somebody could uphold the tradition of baseball and what it means and how it's woven into the fabric of American society because there isn't that Steinbrenner anymore. Um, you know, maybe they're they're all hiding behind Rob Manfred is what they're doing, Mike. Right? They're yeah. all using they're they're using Manfred, who they pay handsomely. They're all hiding behind him, saying, "Rob, well, time to earn your check and take all these bullets for us. Mm-hmm. Go go out there while we hide in our ivory towers." That's, I, that's I, what they're doing. They're not going to show their own face. They're going to hide behind Rob Manfred because what we do in the public is we blame a singular person because that's easier than blaming a collective group. So we just say, hey, Rob Manford's evil. Rob Manford's this. Roger Goodell's this. Roger Goodell's evil. When a lot of the times, and especially in this case with baseball, it is the, the, the 30 owners in that group. Yeah. And I, and I, I thought uh, 
John Henry with the Red Sox is maybe that guy that could step up a little bit, having, you know, won some championships and he's, he's a New Englander and, you know, he's out there for a lot of things. But then I thought about it further. Like the Red Sox are going to be terrible this year. I think I don't think he wants to play. <laughs> he's like, yeah, man, we just we just traded Mookie Best, man. I don't, we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey. Okay. So I'm I'm clarifying this thing now for the Allen yacht thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I went. So Allen ordered his super yacht, the 416 foot octopus from. A boatyard in Germany. I'm not going to try to pronounce because only <laughs> only you can pronounce things. Bundesliga. No. Uh, wonderful. What was the other thing? The force, oh, du for, jour. force majeure. The force, oh, <laughs> such a good. <laughs> so Allison followed with an order for a monster 452 foot rising sun, which became the second largest private yacht when he had the hull extended from 387 feet during construction. So it was actually during construction that he had him extend the hull. Because he found out that Paul's boat was 416 feet. So he had to go 452. So 36 more feet than Paul. So he added, he went 52. He added 65 feet to go bigger than Paul's yacht. <laughs> That's what you're dealing with. Telling when you it comes billion- to like the amounts you, of money that people you, you never thought that a billionaire would be so insecure or care what anybody else is doing, but you know they're they're just like us i guess in some some ways <laughs> they're mm-hmm. just like us i hope i'm not as greedy as they are but they're they're just like us in some ways cuz my gosh i don't understand how you could care about something so trivial <laughs> as the size of a yacht but here we are <laughs> yep i have one other question for you cuz i know we are kind of on our little time limit here do you think Pete Carroll's explanation of not signing Kaepernick was good enough? Or do you think that the Seahawks were under some sort of um, trying to think of the right word uh, commitment to sign him based on the fact that they had him in? And when you have other teams in the NFL that did not, do you think the Seahawks should have, and why would it just be the Seahawks? Why can't you hold the other NFL teams to the same standard, especially especially those with bad quarterbacks? No, and I think that my thing with the Seahawks Kaepernick thing is that I guess I don't give you credit for bringing him in for a visit. So right. I lump the Seahawks with the all all the other thirty two teams that who could have had a chance and still do have a chance to sign a Colin Kaepernick if they want to. And the only team that's publicly talked about it, and I mean, it's unfortunate that they were open up, they opened up about it, and so or they got leaked out or something happened. I don't know, but back then it was known that they brought them in. But so since they brought them in, everyone's naturally going to look at the Seahawks because they are the only team that we know reportedly has had contact with Colin Kaepernick in terms of employing him. So I guess that's why they get the brunt of whatever criticism that there might yeah. there may be out there, but. My thing with the Seahawks is that and Pete Carroll said, hey, I wish we could have maybe done things differently. You still can. You, yep. still, you still can sign him. He's not, it's not like he's on the team. It's like, oh, we missed out on him. It's too bad. He's still out there. So if you really, truly believe that, you can sign him tomorrow if you want to. Which so the is, interesting I'm, – I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. I, I guess that's why I'm kind of just looking at it a little side-eyed of just like, eh, you say one thing, but the actions are another. Right. I, I wonder – and this, and, and I'm kind of, yeah, I, 
you know, what a great backup quarterback he'd be. And in this world of the NFL, we're on a single play. And we saw yeah. in that year when Russell got hurt against Miami, he turned his ankle. It was just it was never right the rest of the year. Uh, but, you know, he, he takes every snap. And so what type of investment do you want to make in your backup quarterback? But then when you don't have your main quarterback, it might be good to have a really good backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, the, but, the, the, the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles are raising their hand. <laughs> right, right. And, and Michael Bennett, by the way, thinks Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz. I never saw that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I did not <laughs> but, see that. <laughs> but I wonder, you know, and I know it was a contract year, and, and, and you know, Russell has had his extension and one of the highest paid players in the NFL. But do, do you remember when John Schneider just went to Wyoming to look at Josh Allen? Yeah. And what a big dust-up that caused. Like, I wonder – are there are there things we don't know about as far as the dynamics and personalities in an organization that they say you know we need to we can't have we must have a superiorly inferior player as a backup for Russell because we don't want to ruffle feather like does that ever come I wonder if it comes into conversation I, you know and that's the thing is that I don't get that vibe from Russell Wilson being like oh don't bring in a guy that's too good. I mean, like everyone's talked about Cam Newton being out there right now. It's like I, I don't get the vibe of like him thinking that. Oh, I would be threatened if you brought in Colin Kaepernick. Like, sure. And if he thinks that way, I'm sorry for him, but he shouldn't. He is right. as secure as anybody in the NFL outside, especially of now. Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Yeah, it's like he has the mega extension and all that stuff. Yep. Like he yep. is the face of the Seattle Seahawks. Nobody is going to replace him in the for the foreseeable future. So, and and, and that's why I've always kind of felt I'm like. Pete Carroll's philosophy is always compete, always try to get better, always accept a backup quarterback. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like that. That's why I was just like, I'm like, huh. So I, I get what you're saying at all these positions, but at quarterback, it appears to be a little bit different. It's the it, quarterback doesn't apply to the always compete mantra that you're telling us about. So that's why, yeah. that's why I kind of like, huh. It's, it's... I know there's so many things that get wrapped up because ultimately, you know what. The guys out there, bring him in, see if he's fit yeah. and and ready to roll. If you have him for a backup quarterback, if anything, another team, maybe this, this you know Russell he, you know, stays really healthy throughout a year. He lasts a, a year. He's very durable. But let's say you have Kaepernick come in, and teams are looking at him. They see him in the preseason, and somebody wants to give him a shot based on you playing him. Yeah, in the preseason, they, they because might, yeah, they might trade. They're for like, him. wow. I mean. Or, oh, oh, my goodness, we just lost our quarterback in the preseason game because you know how much ACLs just go all Oh, my sudden. gosh, easily. Like, like you said, you're one play away from your season being over because yeah. the quarterback goes down. So, I, I don't know. It's it's very you could This could be a whole separate podcast oh, yeah. in and of itself, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I think the guy deserves a shot. I mean, yeah. he, I, like I said, I used to marvel at his play when he came here. He was he was a pain in the butt for the Seahawks. Oh, he was, and he, we he was all know that. Yeah. I mean – and, and and when he had was it didn't he leave Nevada against Boise State yep. to beat them and yeah, knock, knock like, off that Boise State team with Kellen three Moore. or four overtime game on a Friday night or something that was fantastic, yeah. you know yeah. I mean that that's going away. Plus he has pet turtles, so he, you know <laughs> it would be fun to talk to him about that. There you go. You know? <laughs> yeah, my, my thing is my stance on it is just that like you you say you can you're, you can say one thing, but he's still out there, you know. Right. Like yep. you still have like you can go do it tomorrow. You have just as much but like. Call up John Schneider and say, "Hey, John, let's let's seriously look into this thing and bring him in." Yeah. So, and, and until then, it's all kind of just lip service to me. 
Do you, do you think uh, money would be an issue? Do you think he'd want a lot of money to come in and be a backup? I ba- based on I, his past I, play, I, Sim- simply bat- past play. I have no idea if he would, but they should they, they should make that call to find out. Right, <laughs> like you know, it's like you have his phone number. You can call and find out. I mean, mm-hmm. reportedly, money was never brought up uh, when they had him in on the visit, and apparently, it's not. It hasn't been an issue. That the things that the reports of people saying that he might want too much money that's never really had any legs from far as I've can see. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's. I I'm haven't sure heard right from now anybody he's, what it would take to get him back. I'm sure you know? it's, he's been out of the league since 2016, so mm-hmm. I, I highly doubt he's going to be asking for $10 million to be a backup. You know, right. I, I feel like we, we can all use uh, common sense there. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's he's out there if you if you want him. It's <laughs> not, not, not a whole lot of teams clearly are lining up. So if you really want him, he has, yeah. you, you have a chance to go sign him and not just make it seem like it's lip service. But as of now, it's just it, it seems to be lip service to me. It would be interesting if, if and I don't want anybody to get hurt, but if someone were to, you know, that always happens. Yeah, it always and happens. Then, and then finally, a team is like, "Hey, this bring bring in five guys. Wow, this dude's our best option. Yeah, let him play. And if he like got a team to the playoffs, that oh that my gosh, be, it'd be pretty cool. You know, but so. it was good catching up, Mike. It was, wow, it uh, sure was. Are you feeling okay? I'm, Everything I'm good? good. Yeah, I think, I, think my, I think my blood my blood pressure's <laughs> gone down a little bit. Uh, I, I appreciate you letting me uh, rant a little oh, bit. I loved it. Uh, no, the you, owners. <laughs> awesome things to say. And I think you got a lot of people thinking about it. And I, I love your perspective. And I, I think I was just mad at everybody before we started. I just yeah. was like, why can't anybody figure this out? And I think now I leave this podcast just really mad at the owners. So thanks. <laughs> you, you directed my anger. <laughs> it, 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 it was therapeutic. And as, as long as we can just get it off of our chests and, now it's yep. right. now, now I'm calm. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll have baseball next time we talk about it. Maybe. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we're, all cro- so. we're all crossing our fingers. But uh, as always, subscribe, rate, and review for Femi and Ferrari. Uh, let us know what you think. But uh, Mike, it's a uh, it's good catching up, and I'll let you I'll let you get to work over there at the station. <laughs> all right, all right, buddy. Thanks, man. <laughs> all right, take care. See you.